Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience Podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashan. Dana, we've been harvesting corn. We're getting ready to harvest some of our later planted grain sorghum or milo. Pick your poison there on what word you want to use mm-hmm. to describe that crop. Maize. Maize. Yeah, we've heard it <laughs> called maize weird, before. That's guys. <laughs> it's not right. But depending on who's listening, that True. may be how yeah. they identify their grain sorghum crop. But it has a lot of different names. Most importantly, the grain has some value, but those standing residues that are left over after the crop also have value. Tell me how to make money on on leftover residues. Yeah, I just, you know, you all know I grew up in Nebraska and that's what cows survive, cows survive on in the wintertime is corn residue, a little milo residue, um, just depending on where you're at. But in Oklahoma, I mean, we've had just lots more acres of grain, sorghum, milo, um, and even corn in the Enid area, that has a value, okay? So there is nutrition in the corn and sorghum residue. Um, Most of the nutrition is in that grain that has fallen to the ground. Um, I don't know the rates and how that happens, you know, how much that happens, but that can happen. aren't 100% efficient? No, no, they're not, I don't think. Hopefully you've done a good job, but now's your opportunity to make up for a mistake. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, I I remember when I, you know, would ride in the combine, I'd think like, oh, I see where the combine missed that year. And there goes that year rolling down. I knew the cows would eat it. So obviously most of the value, nutritional value is in the grain. Okay. The grain and the leaves. And then the, what still has nutritional value, but not as much as the husk um, for the corn cob. Um, for corn and then um, the stock, the Milo stock uh, or the corn stock. So that's kind of the um, how, kind of how that works, goes down the nutritional value. So cows, cows or any livestock you have, will obviously go out there and consume the best stuff first. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they're going to pick, go through and pick um, the grain and everything. So initially um, you've got to got, kind of got to be a little bit concerned. Like, did you like Dana has done many times, run the grain cart over full at one point or the truck and oh, it piles of grain, piles out, there. Of grain yeah. out in your field. Oklahoma producers probably don't do that. I don't know, but mm. I have done that a few times and I usually try to clean it up. But you got to be careful of that specifically because they're consuming that. You know, cows will get into that. Yeah, you get a little bit of acidosis problems with that much grain, right? <clears throat> a little bit or a lot, or we could have a dead cow um, if she really tanks up because it doesn't take too many seconds of the auger, I mean, for it to be a huge pile. Um, so keep that in mind. It's, I didn't even. But think. something I've heard you talk about that I think is really important is unlike some of our other grazing crops, this is this has a shelf life. A yes. pretty short one, right? Yep. So, so the good thing is they'll go out there and consume the best things first. And, and, you know, as over time that, that forage, like any forage, uh, will weather. All right. I can call it roughage or forage. I'll use probably both those terms, but if it rains, if it snows, the, the sunlight will weather that forage, the wind will blow some of it away. But, you know, you have a, 
um, you're working against mother nature here to get that kind of nutritional value out of the field. So um, we typically say, you know, the first 45, 60, 75 days, you're going to want to utilize that crop as a forage up because otherwise, you know, you don't have a lot of value out there. It's, it's good roughage value, like scratch factor in the rumen, but not a lot of like protein or not great energy. It's less digestible and that sort of thing. I think Josh can kind of go into this a little bit more, but it's important to think about the physiological process that the plant went through before it matured. Corn, going to harvest that after it's completely senesced, correct, Josh? That plant's going to be dead whenever it's harvested. Not a lot of green value, not a lot of nutrient value in those leaves. Grain sorghum's a little bit different, right? Especially with the late plant and milo, you're going to have some secondary tillers that might not have produced their head. They're still green. You might have stalks that are still really green and still have some of that lower canopy left if you're still on the early side have weeks away from a freeze so i'd say on the grain sorghum and milo you're gonna have a lot more green forage potential than you would on the corn for sure and more i think more um volume of forage it just puts on more leaves and stuff it's a shorter plant i mean that's kind of what i've thought of over time i mean there's just a lot more out there you typically have higher planting rates maybe as much as double compared to corn in some instances depending on the producer and and the ground Yeah, I think those two things kind of complement themselves really well because I think about a cow going out and trying to harvest. uh, I I say she's harvesting. She is harvesting. This grain. Essentially. A corn kernels can be picked up off of of dirt and off of a a messy floor, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Grain sorghum is going to be a little bit harder to pick that grain up off the ground. So it's kind of nice that the plant has a little more nutrients in it as opposed to the grain. I never thought of it that way, but that's, yeah. I would, it would be hard to pick up a Milo seed. She might wear out her teeth a little bit sifting through that dirt. Yeah, but they'll do it for sure. You know, I've seen some, I've been, you know, a major county area. There were quite a bit of Milo in past years and I've seen some cows look amazing on Milo stubble who'd been on there for 60 days, you know, still picking up a lot of grain. I don't know why there was so much grain, um, but you know, it just depends on what happened to that particular field, but it's really good. And I'm going to, push you into the nutritional side of this deal, mm-hmm. but I kind of had a thought and I'll throw it your way. Okay. If I was anticipating wheat pasture, we know it's gotten really dry. Is this an option for some stalker calves that I may be backgrounding, trying to get to wheat pasture, maybe at bridge forage, or is that something I shouldn't consider? Yeah, no, I think it is. I wouldn't put out necessarily like high risk, just wean calves out on um, these residues, it could be harder for them. They may not be as familiar with the forage, although I think that they would adapt very quickly. You just got to keep an eye on them. Um, you know, you would want to put them out initially, you know, right away. You wouldn't want to wait and let the cows graze a little bit and then put them out necessarily. You want them to have the highest nutritional value of that. So yes, it could be a bridge, um, maybe for some sort of calves, um, just keep an eye on them. You want to make sure that they're getting a protein and, and that sort of thing. Um, you don't really know how much grain is out there. So you got to keep an eye on the manure and, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, it would it would be a good option. I mean, right now, um, there's not a lot of there's not going to be a lot of wheat pasture ready early unless you're just really lucky. And so that might be a good option for some producers. We're looking at, you know, occasionally we do have failed crop with Milo or corn. No, I never have. Never have. No. Really? Good okay. For you. <laughs> but I know you said, you know, the concerns of having piles of grain out there. Yeah. Do you have a lot of standing 
heads out there full of green sorghum. Would that be a concern as well? It is a concern. Um, it goes back to the thing where how how easily digested is that Milo seed? And it's not as easily digested. Um, it's good that all these grains are whole, whole grains for the most part. Um, and so it's a little bit harder. They're, the starch isn't as available to those rumen microbes to make them acidotic. Now, you need to be a little bit careful if it's just a failed mylo crop with just a lot of grain out there. You need to be aware um, of that. But I think it's a little bit less concern with mylo, uh, more forage, um, grain not as, you know, there's the, like a waxy coating on that grain that makes it not as digestible. They're still getting good out of it, but the starch isn't as available. So, Yes, there's always a risk, but um, not as much with Milo. Does that, I mean, Trent, you're nodding your head. Does well, you that think sound? about a failed Milo crop, even if that's f- going to make five bushel the acre, if you would have harvested it you know, on the 100 acre field, that's risk of, you know, doing some math here, but you're talking about 500 bushels of Milo. Now true. Right? Yeah. Just sitting out there ready to eat. So is there a way to prep these animals? Yeah. So you didn't definitely like anything. You wouldn't want to you know, just throw them out there on an empty stomach, like any of this, like if we're um, adjusting them to, you know, on high nitrate feed, which grain sorghum could be high in nitrates. We haven't talked about that yet, but there's a risk for some of those plants to be, have a higher level of nitrate. So it's good to adjust them, make sure that they maybe, if you have the ability to turn them out for a little while and pull them back in or fill them up with you know, make sure they don't go out hungry, that sort of thing. Um, and then um, also be aware of the freezing damage. So if that plant is still growing, um, if you have a frost, we have some issues related to prussic acid. Um, and Josh, maybe you could explain the kind of the physio- physiological process of what that plant goes through. On the prussic acid, uh, the cyanide poisoning is typically going to be a major concern if you have still a growing crop out there, green growing crop. But if we use a desiccant on the Milo, the Roundup or something like that, glyphosate, if we have a terminated crop either from the Roundup or even a heavy freeze, that's going to be a non-issue. If we do have a freeze, wait in that 7, 10 days, let that cyanide gas out, uh, it's not going to be an issue. So. Uh, if you do have green forage out there, it could be an issue. Like you said, nitrates, especially guys that fertilized heavy up front mm-hmm. on that green sorghum, could always be an issue as well. Yeah, and and that we have to remember that that nitrate specifically is in the stock. So if you're not, you don't plan to like graze like really really hard. Um, it, a lot of times we can avoid that, but most of the nitrate issue can be in the stock. Um, cyanide gas is in the leaves, but like you said, if it's not green growing. Um, it, it's a non-issue. You just need to be aware of those types of situations. And if you have cattle out on, I mean, if you just turned them out and it freezes, I mean, it's best to pull them back in for a couple, you know, a week to get, to let that cyanide gas dissipate. Well, there's a, there's a lot of fields around that don't have access to water. It's not easy to get cattle to those locations. I've often had the thought either cutting low with the combine and windrowing and baling that, or I've also seen guys come back in grain sorghum fields and swath the standing stubble and bale that. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is that an idea if I'm short on hay that I could utilize? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely utilize that. That's a way to do it. I mean, um, remember the cows that are grazing that will select the highest quality nutrients 
you know, you're not going to have as much grain if it's just a typical, like they've harvested the grain. You're not going to, cows aren't going to be able to, if they're being fed a bale, aren't going to be able to eat that grain off the ground. So you won't have that. It's totally an option. Anything's an option, honestly, if we get into a low hay, um, you know, supply situation. Um, So you would want to do that. You would want to plan a little bit. Okay. So if you anticipate that you don't have a lot of hay, you don't do it right after you, you know, harvest the Milo and and to get it the highest quality. But then again, it's, you know, everything's included in it. So it's a little, probably going to be a little bit more diluted on nutrient quality. And you're going to have a lot of waste because those cows yes, aren't going to be stocks. able to eat those yeah, stocks. Yeah, so they're just not going to eat the stocks. You're going to have waste. It may not be as diluted as what I'm saying, but on a total, if you were to grind it, it would it would be diluted. But mm. you could grind it if you wanted. There's some producers out there that have the ability to do that and feed it that way. And you probably have to have some mature cows with a good set of teeth Absolutely. to be able to utilize that. And that's a big... that kind of goes into the next part. You know, what what sort of animals work best in this situation? We touched on starter calves, Trent... Um, you know, uh, residue for dry cows, mid to late gestation, you know, your typical spring, you know, mid to late spring calving herd, um, will do great on Milo pretty much through the whole 60, 75 days, you know, keep, keep an eye on them, but that's, there's enough nutritional quality out there for them to do well. The issue is the lactating cows or your gestating heifers who both have higher, um, requirements, energy and protein requirements. Uh, you need to keep an eye on them. They should be having that, you know, fresh crop of residue, you know, give them the ability to consume that first. You may mean to pull them off within 30 days because they've consumed the higher, higher nutrient um, components of that residue. I was looking, uh, we do have a fact sheet on OSU about grazing grain sorghum stocks, uh, PSS 2607. And one of the Components of that fact sheet, they're trying to estimate what kind of potential forage out there we'd be able to utilize. And just kind of a rule of thumb, they had, say you thought you had a 10 bushel grain sorghum crop out there, you multiply that by 8 to 12 pounds of palatable residue out there. So they're taking in that factor and what kind of, use that to for your stocking rates. Mm-hmm. And then also for total biomass, take those bushels of grain times 60, and that'll give you total pounds estimated. Uh, so knowing what your stock rate is probably going to be a good, big component of it as well, isn't it? Yeah. So I've always uh, utilized, and you may, you know, say differently, but a thousand pounds of animal per acre on a stocking rate for a grain sorghum or um, corn forage. Now that's a little bit of a northern value. I I will be honest, I didn't look at our Oklahoma grazing stocks uh fact sheet, but is that kind of do they give some values in there for that? That's what I kind of noticed about that 8 to 12 uh pounds of palatable residue off the estimating off what the grain production was. Okay. So if you had a 50 bushel grain sorghum crop, that'd be about 500 pounds of palatable forage per acre. Okay. Okay. So, um, based on, you know, my values, so we could, for, you know, a cow, a 1300 pound cow, which is a common size, could graze one acre of, of stocks for 30 days. Yeah. That's kind of what I have. That's it. And, you know, that'll vary. So I always tell producers, and I'm a big proponent of this, whether no matter what stage of production you're in or what you're feeding, like, look at the manure. If you can still see grain in it, they're picking up grain, they're doing fine. If you don't see much of that, you know that they have consumed a lot of that higher quality nutrition out there. 
If it starts to stack up, I mean, like in Nebraska, when we would gather them and move them to another field, if you're tripping over the manure piles, the frozen manure piles, you know, it's stacking up too high. You know, you have too, too much lignin in there. They're not being able to digest it. And so that's time to, you know, switch your uh, nutritional program up, move them off to something else. We've recently had a podcast about mineral. Yes. Uh, are there any mineral considerations to, for this since they're going to be eating so much grain and maybe they're not used to that? Yeah. So grains are very high in phosphorus. Um, so you want to make sure you have a good calcium based mineral out there. Um, and, and you are anticipating a lot of times, you know, they're going to go to something greener or something better. And so, you know, a high mag mineral with calcium, good magnesium and calcium is good. Um, just a good mineral program. You know, they're going to, they're not going to be getting a lot of great nutrition off this, but you know, the grains and you know, the forage is weathered, so it's not gonna be great. You do need a good nutritional program or mineral program. Excuse me. Soybeans are becoming more popular in this area too. And there's a lot of grain waste when harvesting soybeans, whether you're cutting pods in half next to the ground, there's just, seems like there's always a lot of soybean seed left on the ground. I think there are some considerations to think about whenever grazing uh, or feeding soybeans to cows or pregnant cows. Maybe you want to go into that some. Yeah. So um, I do know from experience, cows really love Soybeans, we've, you know, um, fenced off both soybean stubble and corn stubble at the same time, and they will spend most of their time out on the soybeans. There's not a lot of roughage value out there mm -hmm. at all. Um, I mean, that plant basically just, you know, disintegrates um, when it goes to the combine. But, um, but there is soybeans. You know, there's a higher level of, there can be said there's a higher level of estrogen in soybeans that aren't been, you know, raw soybeans. And so you can have some issues with pregnant cows, um, but, you know, it's not as big of a deal that it isn't during the breeding season. If you're breeding, mm -hmm. you want to kind of avoid that. But I think, you know, during during the winter, just doing that, um, most herds are not, you know, breeding off of that. And and so they should be fine. But, you know, you've you got to be careful of the grain situation there, too, because that's all they're getting. I would not encourage you to just fence off one quarter of soybean stubble and that's all they can get because there's not really enough kind of scratch or roughage or forage out there for them to really take advantage of. And some of our other crops now, sesame, not much value there, is there, Josh? I want to try it myself. Yeah, the, the best thing that might come out of sesame is we have some issues controlling weeds so there might be some uh, be some, some pig weeds and, and some johnson grass and yeah i don't think they could pick up a sesame seed <laughs> no i nope, that wouldn't be very easy and then the pods aren't very palatable either yeah. so yeah, yeah. that kind of are there any other crops i'm missing that we no, may have i can't think of anything i mean i have had a question before okay was, oh great like okay. i had corn ready to be harvested and he's having issues with aflatoxin oh. and they asked me if he could graze it and obviously you know, having a hundred bushel, we would say a decent crop out here, hundred bushel corn crop, probably not going to be advisable to graze that, would it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, aflatoxin can be an issue here yeah. in Oklahoma for uh, in grain, and so just because you harvest it, there's still grain out there. The harvested grain, the grain that's on the ground, it could be high in aflatoxin too. And so that, I mean, I would be very careful. You could have aflatoxin poisoning. It can affect it can affect the performance of the animals, and if you have you know, pregnant cows. I mean, I don't know the in-depth stuff about that, but any sort of toxin could cause that cow to slough that calf. And that, and that's, that's a big deal. And kind you can of buy a lot of hay for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, yeah, let's kind of look into that. 
beforehand. And kind of new to me, I learned a couple of years ago, grain sorghum can have aflatoxin. That's usually something that's never been on my radar before, but apparently so. A it's, lot of any, yeah. any grain can have, you know, kind of a, it, it's not a mold, but I mean, it, it's kind of some sort of, you know, toxin that accumulates. So the risk is always, there's risk with everything. It's yeah. Like, the grain sorghum has become a bigger thing as they've been testing more and more for it. We've seen. Yeah. Including in feed rations and stuff. So they've actually started testing for it, I think. Mm-hmm. And also consider it's important for producers you know if you're hauling corn to the elevator you're probably going to know if you have high aflatoxin or not if it's failed corn you don't know yeah. so again be, is there a way to get that tested yeah what you can you... send off i mean you can send off grain you have to have quite a bit of it right josh i don't remember how much but probably a gallon ziploc be more than that yeah you can get it tested and I don't have those details, but we can add those into the show notes to see, you know, well, and getting a representative sample is going to be very difficult. Absolutely. I mean, I would think, I would say anytime you have a crop that's failed, you need to be concerned about anything. You know, when, a, when a crop is stressed to the level that it fails, there has been something that's happened, whether it's, there's nitrates, um, you know, will accumulate aflatoxin is, can be, can happen in a, if a plant is stressed, right. Or is it just due to the, Nighttime temperatures. There's a lot of components to it. Yeah, I know. It's very complicated. And good corn and bad corn. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, I don't think there's a good rule of thumb there. No. Either has it or it doesn't. I mean, I would just be aware. I mean, we could get into, you know, being scared of everything, (laughs) right? (laughs) Just kind of let's turn them out there. Yeah, but aflatoxin, you know, that, you know, definitely in corn. Be be aware and and even more so, I mean, also in grain sorghum, like Uh, you said. I mean, silver leaf nightshade, if consumed in enough pounds could kill a cow, but it absolutely. grows right alongside stuff and we, we don't worry about it too much. Yeah, so there's, absolutely. There's things to be aware of. You don't necessarily have to be scared of them. Mm-hmm. Now, just cause I'm curious, has anybody grazed cotton residue? Oh, that'd be terrible. One of the things I remember reading about it is back in the Dust Bowl when they didn't have anything else to graze. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've... I mean, the cotton seed has a lot of nutrients in it and I there's mean, some left over all the time. True. I mean, we, uh, we feed what's called gin trash. You know, we can formulate rations with gin trash. That is the nastiest, dustiest, dirtiest junk I've ever fed before. But so if Dana's not a fan of this idea, well, gin trash, it's just, it depends on, I mean, it can just be really trashy and that's why they call it gin trash. Um, and so, you know, there's not, there wasn't a lot of value in the stuff that I was feeding. Um, you know, you got to add some, you got to add something to make it palatable. And that was liquid feed. Um, so that's an option, but I don't know. There's, is there much left? I don't know a lot about cotton production. Oh, like, much left, much okay. left in the field. Nice pipe dream there, Trent. I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm, no, it's not a cure. I don't I'm have any interest in doing it myself at all, but. You know, yeah. there's a lot of components to the cotton plant that are really great feed. I'm going to cotton seed holes. So that's a good scratch that can be pelleted or loose. Um, but whole cotton seed is great. Great nutritional product. Gin trash, not so much, but it is good scratch. So, well, that's yeah. enough of a pipe dream for me. Uh, <laughs> any other last thoughts on grazing crop residues? I don't think we've missed anything. Uh, no, just being fast, getting out there yeah. as soon after harvest as possible. Uh, corn and sorghum probably going to be your best options. Yeah, be aware of the the frost damage. Yeah. Looking yeah. on and definitely sorghum. Yeah, if you're desiccating sorghum or you get a frost, that prussic acid can be an issue. Um, yeah, make sure that you know based on production stage. Nitrates, yeah, be considered with nitrates. Lactating and and gestating heifers probably need a little bit more. Yeah, just 
tailoring which animals are out there. Yep. Probably your mature cows that are in gestation that yeah. aren't lactating, probably going to do pretty well. If we need, if we have other animals that need a lot of nutrition, give them a lot of nutrition. Don't necessarily make them scavenge so much. Absolutely. Possibly. Yeah. So I think that that's good. All righty. Well, again, if you have any questions about this, feel free to reach out to your local county extension office and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.